Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. For Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, everybody? Welcome in to Nuanez Now to get your Friday wrapped up here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you'll notice that I am not Coulter Nuanez. Andrew Houghton coming to you live from the Missoula Broadcasting Company studio. Coulter's on the road, heading down to San Francisco for one last break uh, before football season really gets going here. By, this, by the next time we come to you on Monday afternoon, it'll officially be game week. For both the Montana Grizzlies and the Montana State Bobcats. But before that hits, we've got plenty to get to you today. Jam-packed show coming to you here for your Nuanez now on Friday. Uh, you'll still hear plenty from Coulter Nuanez. Uh, again, Coulter taking a quick vacation here before football season really gets going. That's why you don't see him in the studio. You don't see me in the studio either. I'm back here behind the glass where I usually sit bringing you Nuanez now. We'll get things started today. A uh, little NFL talk. Coulter and Brooks Nuanez uh, talked a little NFL over-unders earlier in the week. Back with some more NFL discussion to get this show started here in segment one. Then we'll hear a little bit from yesterday's Grizz soccer game. I was down at South Campus Stadium. Grizz off to a 3-0 start, one of the best in school history. Uh, and a huge game coming up against Ohio State. On Sunday, so we'll run down their 4-0 win over MSU Billings yesterday that I was lucky enough to be doing the play-by-play for. Uh, Talk a little bit about the Montana Grizzlies soccer team as they're off to a huge start. It's a big weekend in Missoula. 
River City Roots Fest coming to town. Uh, all the students flooding back onto campus here at the University of Montana. Uh, and it's a huge weekend for the University of Montana sports teams as well. Just mentioned the Grizz soccer team playing Ohio State on Sunday. Grizz Volleyball hosting a couple of big major conference opponents as well. Pitt and BYU, both nationally ranked in the top 20 among the teams visiting Missoula this weekend for a little multi-team tournament. So we'll talk a little bit about that in segment two as well. Moving on into the second hour, Garden City Spotlight. College football going to take another week to get here, but high school football around the state of Montana kicking off this weekend. We'll bring you interviews, season previews uh, with all three Class AA high school football coaches in the city of Missoula. Dane Oliver from Sentinel. Spartans hosting uh, Billings Skyview tonight at Missoula County Public Stadium. Matt Johnson's Big Sky Eagles on the road at Belgrade. Uh, Ryan Nelson's Hellgate Knights hosting Billings Senior at Washington Grizzly Stadium tonight. So we'll hear from all three of those guys to start the second hour, and then we'll keep the prep football rolling. Uh, in the second hour there, I caught up with Hamilton High's Bryce Carver, head coach of the Bronx earlier this week, so we'll hear from Bryce Carver in the second hour as well. Florence Coffee Company Friday here on Nuanez. Now you don't see Coulter and Rajim. Usually they're in the studio getting hype off some Lotuses or some Americanos. They're not in the studio this week, uh, but we still wanted to give a shout-out to Florence Coffee Company on this Floco Friday. Plenty of kiosks all around Missoula, so if you need a pick-me-up, you need some caffeine. I just love their their chai. That's what I get when I stop by Florence Coffee Company. Stop by any one of the Florence Coffee Company kiosks scattered around Missoula. Let's get things started here. Coulter and Brooks Nuanez talking a little NFL. Last week on All Football All the Time, we gave you some of our best bets, some division winners, some over-unders for NFL teams, bold predictions and all that. But now I just want to talk about some storylines that are going on uh, in the NFL. Brooks Nuana is joining us, as he will, all season long on All Football All the Time as we talk all things NFL from a storyline and gambling perspectives uh, all football season long. Uh, Brooks, one thing I've been meaning to ask you about, so often we talk so much about the quarterbacks and the coaches, and that's those are the two key factors in the NFL for sure. Uh, I know it's low-hanging fruit, but also... Uh, it really does have the biggest influence on the result. But we've seen sort of this incremental and then all of a sudden rapid evolution of the running back's position. And and you saw it this offseason with Saquon Barkley holding out until he finally got a one-year deal. And multiple teams trying to franchise running backs. All other teams letting running backs go, like the Carolina Panthers traded the best running back in the league in Christian McCaffrey last year. Now uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to... Uh, search for a trade as well out of Indianapolis, and there's a lot that goes into that. That's not necessarily them devaluing him. It's more, I think, he doesn't want to be a 350-carry guy next to a a rookie running back who just turned 21 years old at Anthony Richardson. But either way, what do you think of this? Like I said, it's, it's sort of been building for a while where running backs have been devalued, but now we have these elite running backs in the league that are not very old and not worn out yet yet they're not getting valued like they have in the past because I think people are, 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 I mean, in the NFL, you're going to get paid for your present and future, not your past like baseball. So what do you think is sort of the evolution of this position? 
I think it's not surprising at all, Coulter. I also, if I can say it like this, I understand it. I might do the same thing, and I don't agree with it. Um, I think that an elite premier running back can be a, a, a difference maker, especially in a 17-game in a season. Um, when you look at guys who do stay healthy and have been impactful, like Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy, like Dalvin Cook when he's healthy, they really elevate the, the bar of that team. Um, but you also see you know, arguably the best running back in someone like Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, toil in mediocrity at, at, you know, at teams that are going just above 500 and not making playoff runs, even though he's one of the strongest runners in the league. So I understand both sides of the coin. What I want to see happen in the NFL culture, I don't understand why it can't happen, is to have a little bit of load management going on. Why can't a running back take off, you know, only get three or four carries in game seven and game 11? Why is it nonstop 20 carries a game or you're in a committee? Why does it have to be one or the other? I could see someone like Christian McCaffrey, you know, maybe feeling a little bit tight during a certain week. You're playing the New York Giants across the country in a non-divisional game that you don't necessarily need to win. Why can't we start to rest these guys a little bit and see if we can get them to be have a little bit more longevity injury-wise? It's a great point. Uh, I also think it's... Some of this just comes down to math, right? Like Josh Jacobs led the NFL in, in rushing last year, 1,653 yards. He had 340 carries, which is the second most carries in the league behind Derrick Henry's 349. Uh, the big man in Tennessee, he rushed for 1,538 yards. So those were your two leading rushers in the league. Dick Chubb, also a 300-carry guy, 1,525 yards last year. I think that's where the math plays into this, where that, that the math de- sort of dehumanizes the position because I, I think when the when the New York Giants were were thinking about shopping Saquon Barkley or thinking about letting Saquon Barkley walk, they were thinking, okay, if we give this guy, if we if we split up this guy's, you know, three hundred and fifty touches from scrimmage, can we replace that with three different guys? And the sad truth is, no matter how elite you are, the answer is probably yes. You just have to have those two or three or four guys. So I, I totally agree with you. I get the math behind it and why this from a business strategy is probably prudent. I also, though, disagree with what you're what, – I disagree with it as well because it, I do think that there are some guys that can't make a difference. I mean, for example, Saquon Barkley won a playoff game for the New York Giants last year. They beat the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota because of Saquon Barkley. So uh, I can totally see both sides of it. Yep, and it can't even make it all the way to the Super Bowl with your best player on offense being a running back. I think that that's, that's probably the argument. As the game continues to evolve and teams continue to throw the football more, I understand where the committee comes in, especially if you need a third down passing back that's going to catch balls out of the backfield. Maybe he's a better pass protector than, than, the, than the lead guy. But still, I mean, I think it really plays into the culture and style of a team. You look at Tennessee, you talk about Derrick Henry, really defines what, how they want to play football, get down, hit you, smash mouth football. Um, and it really starts with him as the focal point. What the issue is, and I think that people are really struggling contract-wise to understand, is it's not that the team that they're on is devaluing them. It's not that they're devalued on that contract they're currently on. It's on the next contract. It's the fact that the tires might be bald by the time you sign the biggest contract of your life and you don't have as much left in the tank as you did prove these last three or four years. That's where the math and the business side comes in. 100%. I mean, because a quarterback can sign, and if he regresses, he's still probably better than most, whereas if a running back completely declines, then all of a sudden you got nothing. It's Nuanas now, ESPN Radio. It's all football all the time. Talking NFL with Brooks Nuanas. Um, We went through... 
some of the best storylines and one of some of the ones that just came to my top of mind. So I'll just rattle those off real quick, and then you can add to those or add other storylines that you like. We talked about Patrick Mahomes and just how how he's riding this this meteor, man. He's 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 the most famous person in the NFL. He's the most marketable guy in the NFL. He's the most popular player in the NFL, and he's the best player in the NFL. He had a documentary about him this last offseason. Everybody watched it. Uh, but he seems to be sort of impervious to all that pressure. We also talked about you know, the rise of Justin Herbert. Can he take the next step and become like Josh Allen was a couple years ago? On the Josh Allen note, can he sort of reel himself in? And without Brian Dable, can he find some level of steadiness? And then we also talked about Lamar Jackson and the fact that he now finally has a long-term contract. He's got guaranteed money. He's got some weapons around him. And he somehow, some way, has a whole bunch of haters that don't think he's any good anymore, even though he was the MVP only a couple years ago. Uh, so, I mean, what do you like about those? I mean, those are four of the most premier players in the league, and they'll all have significant influences on the way this all plays out. Uh, any thoughts on any of those storylines? Well, uh, they're all in the AFC. So, I think that's a big hey, no kidding, right? into this year, uh, the AFC is, is a strong football conference, so we'll leave it at that. I mean, the NFC is going to have some rock fights, um, and the AFC is going to be airing it out with some, some faces and stars of the league. You didn't even mention guys like Joe Burrow and and uh, Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville, and, you know, there's some serious contenders uh, to a tongue by Ola at, in, my, in Miami, and you're, you're looking at guys across the board here, Rodgers joins the AFC, so I think that might be you know, one of the major storylines of this year, Coulter. Um, one thing I thought that was interesting when you talked about, uh, you mentioned Justin Herbert. I think that that could be one of the, the tipping points in the NFL, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this year because Justin Herbert is just 25 years old, where every other quarterback you named is at least 27. Um, so multiple years ahead of him. Um, you, you talk about Justin Herbert, what, maybe what, what's the next step for him? I think it's really how they structure that team. What are they going to do with Austin Eckler, who's in a contract situation, holding out, franchise tag, exactly what we just talked about with the running back situation in the NFL, happening in, in L.A. with the Chargers as well. What does Austin Eckler's role look like? How do they develop the wide receiver core that's one of the most talented in the league with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams? They draft a TCU kid who's going to have a major impact. Do they surround Justin Herbert with enough to take the next step? And if they do, then you start talking about someone that can maybe contend with Patrick Mahomes in the AFC West. I, as I look up and down divisions, Coulter, you look at the AFC East where the Bills have been the leader of that division. All three teams, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, strong, can, can, can contend for that division. Yep. You look at the AFC North, one of the strongest divisions in the NFL. The Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers, no slouches in that schedule. Again, in the NFL, you're really only playing your divisional opponents for a playoff spot. Everything else starts to add up to momentum, maybe a bye as you go into the playoffs and not getting that wild card. And then the AFC South is going to be a, you know, a little bit of a, of a young guy's league, a bunch of rookies in, in, uh, in the Texans quarterback and C.J. Stroud, and the Colts have a rookie quarterback as well. Trevor Lawrence takes that next step. We'll see what that looks like in the Titans. But in the AFC West, the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers have not been strong teams. So the Chiefs run away with the division, get the one seed, and are in the driver's seat with the remaining of the playoffs. Can Justin Herbert start to kind of chip away at that Patrick Mahomes legacy, or if you will, his kingdom that he stands on top of in that division as well as the NFL? I think that that is something that could happen this year. If not, I think it's in the near future where it's going to become a reality. So, Such a good point. 
the, the, the Chiefs have right now, barring the, the Chargers and otherwise taking the next step, what the Patriots had for so long, where they just had five to six guaranteed division wins. And, and uh, I, I, you can't say the Chargers are a guaranteed division win, but you're right. Broncos and Raiders haven't been very good. And uh, I mean, people forget that the Chiefs were up against it last year in November. I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, up against it for them, I guess. But they had lost three games. They were 9-3. and three. They had lost to the Cincinnati Bengals at home for the third time in a row. And they'd also taken it on the chin from the Buffalo Bills. Well, then they got rolling within their division, and they just crushed the whole bottom of the AFC. And they won six in a row and got home field advantage. And, and if the AFC goes through Arrowhead, then... Uh, the Chiefs are going to be the favorites forever. So, you know, it, it's a great point. Nuana's now all football all the time. Brooks Nuana is joining us here on your radio dial. What um, we, we also talked about young quarterbacks. There's always one or two that, that rise up and one or two that, that fall down and are just kind of out of it. You mentioned Justin Fields last week. Any other guys that you think could, could, could potentially take a step up? Or if they did take a step up, it would have an influence on either their division or the conference race? Yeah, man, I, I think that Daniel Jones, uh, New York Giants quarterback, I think he's been on the on that on that line, bordering on being a, a, a better than good quarterback. And at times when he's not great, he's still functional. He can run the football a little bit. He can throw the football. Really strong arm. Um, I've been impressed by him since day one. And he's never, you know, he's never taken that team more than six or seven wins. I think if he takes another step, I mentioned they add Darren Waller, tied in from the Raiders. Um, in that passing game, by all accounts, one of my favorite uh, Twitter follows is, is called about 32 Beats. And it, it, it's a conglomeration of all the beat writers, you know, or some of the premier beat writers from every team in the NFL. And by all accounts, Darren Waller's had one of the best um, NFL preseason camps at, across the league. So if Daniel Jones can take a step, I could really see him and the Giants making a run at, at a wild card spot, you know, behind the Eagles in that division, overtaking the, the Cowboys and the Commanders. I also think that, like you mentioned, Colt, I think that Justin Fields is right there. And I also think that the, the NFC South will be very interesting to kind of see what happens with the Panthers and the Falcons. And Desmond Ritter with the Falcons take a next step. They have weapons. They have uh, B. John Robinson. They drafted eighth overall from Texas. And then the Panthers, number one overall pick, Bryce, uh, Bryce Young, is going to be maybe the future of that franchise. And if you, you surround him with some good weapons – He's, by all accounts, been such a cerebral player, someone that can really not only move in the pocket but can make the right decisions. Um, both of those guys I could see in the NFC kind of making a, um, you know, making an impact if they take the next step. Uh, two thoughts there. One, uh, to be fair, you're, you're right. Daniel Jones and the Giants were sort of stuck in mediocrity until last year, but then they broke through and they, they did make the playoffs a year ago in Brian Dable's first season. That's, to me, though, what's the next step? Because sometimes... A new head coach who has an offensive mindset and an offensive style, you can steal some wins early before people sort of adjust to you. The Cardinals did this a few few years ago with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and then they came back down to earth and have been bad since then. I don't think that's necessarily the future for the Giants, but there are going to be some adjustments to Brian Daybold's system and, and some adjustments for people to not let Danny Dimes beat them. But I want to stick right there on the NFC South because to me, First of all, when you're talking about from a betting perspective, I think it's the worst division to try to pick a winner from. Unless you like one of the non-favorites, maybe then it's the best division to try to bet on uh, for a winner because you can get plus odds pretty heavily for everybody that's not the Saints. I have a hard time believing that the Saints are going to be really, really good. 
but they also just seem like the only team that's any good in this division. But then you mentioned the other day when we were just talking how you thought the Carolina Panthers could be a, a dark horse. And I kind of scoffed, and I was like, what do you mean? And then I realized, okay, they, they fired Matt Rule during the year last year. Now they got Frank Reich running the show. It fell apart for Frank Reich in Indianapolis, but I do think he's a good coach. I think he relates well to players. They had the number one overall pick in Bryce Young. Uh, I know that there's knocks that he's small, but he's also electric. I mean, he was unbelievable at Alabama. And then then they kind of quietly signed a bunch of really good players offensively. They got Miles Sanders in at running back. Adam Thielen, whose best days are probably behind him, but certainly was productive in Minnesota and, and could still be a you know a good second or third receiver. They still have D, DJ Chark, who's a, a great player. And then they signed Hayden Hurst as well at tight end. So they have some good offensive skill as well. Dare I say, should, should you lean Carolina in the South, or is that a foolish bet? I'm all over it, man. They were good last year. I love their receiving court. I mean, they bring in DJ Chark. They keep Terrence Marshall Jr. LaVisca Chenault has been solid for the Jaguars as he moves over to Carolina. They draft Jonathan Mingo in the second round. You want to go look at a guy who's dominant? Go look at Jonathan Mingo's tape. For sure. We're talking about guys 6'3", 230, 225, runs 4'3", 5", 40-inch vert, 10-9 broad jump, everything that you want from a from a draft pick. And he was a third overall drafted receiver, maybe fourth. You could check that one for me as well. But so you look, you look at strong, skilled players, and then on defense, they draft Derek Brown of the Auburn. They draft J.C. Horn, the first cornerback taken a year ago. They have Jeremy Chin, FCS product out of uh, Southern Illinois. I love those three young guys. And then you have Brian Burns, one of the 10 best edge rushers in the league. Shaq Thompson, a dominant inside linebacker. You bring in Justin Houston from Baltimore, the wily veteran that you want to, you don't want to know who you don't want to line up against Colter, Justin Houston. Um, so all across the board, everything I like about this team that's kind of grown, you get rid of the coach that doesn't have, couldn't build the culture. You bring in Frank Wright, Right, who by all accounts and by all his track record can build culture, can build a team that at least plays for each other and at least is going to be competitive. And if you have a roster that looks like this, in my humble opinion, I think that they uh, they are someone to com- completely to contend with in that division. Saints got an over-under for wins of 9.5. Where are you at with that? Is that too high, too low? Where do you think of the Saints? Obviously, I think it's, it's the oddsmakers get those real tight for a reason. I mean, I think they're going to be right there. Um, and then, but you know, we talked about the Giants a moment ago. The Giants had nine wins last year. They went nine, seven, and one. You know, not a very strong team, even though you mentioned they get a win. They start to d- develop Daniel Jones, all that kind of stuff. I see it for the Saints the opposite way. They have uh, not a development quarterback. They have a a, a tenured, a kind of a veteran quarterback in, in uh, Derek Carr, and then a guy who's never played with defense. Colter Derek Carr has been on some Raiders teams where he has been quite functional, better than functional. He's not just protecting the ball. He's making plays, and the defense just can't help him out. Well, like in the one year they had Jack Del Rio as the coach, and they had a good defense, they went 12-4. and four. There you go, right. So I think that Derek Carr is the kind of quarterback. I don't mean this as a knock at all because there's lots of them. I think Peyton Manning's one of them as well that needs a defense to play well, um, to, you know, to, to actually rack up wins. So I think that the Saints, with Dennis Allen as a head coach, defensive mind, you're bringing back Cameron Jordan on a big deal, kind of his last run. Uh, I think that the Saints are going to play defense. Uh, they're going to run the ball once Allen Kamara gets back from a three-game suspension. And I think the Saints are completely someone to contend with. You play in a dome, you have a home field advantage, and you have a seasoned quarterback. Everything there is lining up for you to win 10 games. Brooks Nuanas here on Nuanas now all football all the time. Stay on the uh, NFC South just because one more team to break down. 
we follow the NFL and all the teams across the board. We love watching it. We love watching all the games. We don't really have rooting interest in it because we just think it's really, really fun to watch. We also uh, place wagers on it every weekend, and we also play fantasy football. So there's a, a, a wide array of teams that we're paying attention to on a pretty deep level. But one team that you can't help but give a little extra attention to right now is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, has deep ties in Montana. He has a home in the Paradise Valley. Um, he's put on camps this summer uh, across communities in Montana, specifically girls' flag football camps to try to spread and help grow that game. And then, of course, you look at the defensive starting lineup. Troy Anderson starting at one of the inside linebacker spots. Caden Ellis, a kid out of the University of Idaho, is starting at the other uh, linebacker spot. And then you throw in all their, their interesting offensive skill guys that they picked up in the draft in the last couple years, like B. John Robinson, who they drafted out of Texas this last year, Drake London out of USC, who was a top-10 pick a couple years ago, Kyle Pitts out of Florida, tight end, who was a top-five pick I think three years ago. And all of a sudden you got a lot of names on the Atlanta Falcons roster that makes you think, okay, this team might have a little something here. Uh, but I really do think he already mentioned it, Brooks, but it, it does come down to Desmond Ritter. They, they kind of tried to go with the steady guy last year, Marcus Mariota. He turned out to be underwhelming and, and not as steady as they wanted, so they, they pulled him and went with Ritter down the stretch. Uh, they were okay, but they didn't really produce the wins. But they got Ritter back. They also got Taylor Heineke waiting in the wings. Where are we at with Atlanta? You know, I think that Atlanta could, as, a, as one of the wider range of outcomes of anyone in the NFC, I think that Atlanta could win nine or ten games. I think they could win like three. So, I, you know, I really do see that on this roster. Desmond Ritter, a guy that I liked in college, but he was he was a little bit more of a, of a already kind of set in stone, older guy, came out of college at age 25, married, had a kid, all, you know, all the good stuff, but also the stuff that you, you want to see results from right away because usually guys don't develop after the age of 25, 26, 27, if they haven't showed it before that. The one thing that I think is interesting, Coulter, is Taylor Heineke coming from the Washington Commanders, uh, who's a guy who's won a lot, you know, some serious football games, some, some high-level football games where he's really produced um, as a backup quarterback here. So if Desmond Ritter doesn't pan out, I do think Taylor Heineke could give him a little spark. But as you mentioned, Coulter, they're going to run the football. Tyler Algier, BYU running back last year, set the Falcons – uh, rookie rushing record. Bijan Robinson, one of the most highly touted uh, running back recruits, put him in the same category as Saquon Barkley in the last decade or two as literally the cream of the crop when it comes to running backs who have produced, who have a ceiling and have literally a ladder to get to a, three or four new ceilings. There is like a, a another level of of production, I think Bijan Robinson, as you mentioned in fantasy football drafts, is going to go so high this year, and rightfully so. But they still keep Cordero, Cordero Patterson as well. Um, all of that I love. If they run the football and they play defense, Grady Jarrett is one of the most underrated inside defensive linemen in the league. And then we talked about those connections we have to Troy Anderson, Caden Ellis. You know, playing in that linebacker room. I think the Falcons uh, they got a chance, Colter. I wouldn't bet it, but I would love to see it. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Okay, one more for you, and then we'll let you go. I do think there's all there's like these tiers of quarterbacks in the league. And I don't just mean from skill, but I mean sort of in, in developmental process. You know, as you mentioned, the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, um, Josh Allen group; those guys are all in their late twenties, so they're all supposed to be in their primes. Then you got. 
you know, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence sort of on the come up. Can they break their way into that top group? Then you have a bunch of the, the young guys that are a little bit unproven, you know, like the Desmond Ritters of the world, um, like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or some of the rookie guys. To me, though, an underrated and very interesting quarterback scenario exists in Tennessee. You have Ryan Tannehill who's the grizzled veteran who's been solid. And, and, you know, people forget two years ago, Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC. Got beat by the Bengals on a last-second field goal on their home field. Um, last year, they, they fell back to the pack a little bit. And then Tannehill was sort of in and out the second half of the year. But they didn't seem very sold on Malik Willis, the kid they drafted out of Liberty. And so then they went and drafted another first-round guy who fell out of the first round for the second year in a row in Will Levis. So now you have these two guys that are probably battling internally for the right then to maybe go battle Tannehill for that starting job. I just think that if that situation gets rocky or muddied, that could be very bad for Tennessee. Or if that situation gets figured out and any of those three guys is solid, Tennessee could be back to being a favorite in the AFC South. So what do you think of the Titans? Well, you know, the, the signing of DeAndre Hopkins is huge, Colter, because if he's got it still, I mean, it, it's he's one of the best receivers in the league. He's one of the best receivers of his generation. Um, so that that's a huge piece of it. You look at Traylon Burks, a guy that they drafted in the first round last year. Um, you know, he didn't come along, didn't really show out last year. I think he battled a couple injuries, especially early on in camp. and could never really find his stride. But I think Traylon Burks is obviously another huge piece of this offense. Um, with the quarterback situation, by all accounts, all the reports I've read, Coulter, is Will Levis has completely fallen out of favor. Um, he likely will end up on the practice squad. Um, wow. Will Willis, it seems, is, is pretty set in, in the backup role here. Um, and, I, you know, Will Levis, I, I just had heard that they, by really good reporting, that they're not huge fans of his. And that can change. That can change week to week. That can change with an injury. I don't think that he's not going to be on this roster because I think that, obviously, when you're talking about Malik Willis is more of a running-style quarterback. Will Levis also a physical quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, you know, the guy goes down. Hear this. This is kind of funny because it happens in the NFL a lot. A guy like Ryan Tannehill can be backed up by Malik Willis. Ryan Tannehill goes down and they start Will Levis. Because Malik Willis is just a backup. He's never going to be – if that makes sense. Totally. Um, I, could see that, I could see that kind of playing out that way. But the quarterback situation, I think, is really cut and dry as far as Ryan Tannehill is the starter. He is the guy. Um, if, if he stays healthy and they can go – I mean, they're going to be so hard to play week in, week out. Even if they, no matter who's at quarterback, no matter what they're doing on offense, they're going to be very physical and very challenging to game plan for. So I think that they still are kind of looking at this division uh, maybe as the front runners, but I think that that could change anytime. He's Brooks Nuanez. He'll join us every week talking all things NFL. You can also find him on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast each week, breaking down all things Grizzlies, Bobcats, and the rest of the Big Sky Conference. I'll leave you with this, Brooks, because you watched me putt 44 times on, on Sunday. That was really fun for everybody involved. It was not my best day with the flat stick. Tiger Woods in 2007 one putted 32 holes in a row. So we got a long ways to go, man. Hey, man, you know, all you got to do is line it up and get a smooth stroke, and the hole's got to be there. And if it goes in, then you eat one putt. That's it. It's pretty simple. The Tiger, Tiger made it look as simple as anybody. Yeah, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Well, there you go. A little golf advice with your football discussion 
here on Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana, as well as the ESPN MT app. I don't know that I could ever go that long talking about the NFC South this year, but that's why those guys are the best at what they do. Coulter and Brooks Nuanez joining you here for a little NFL analysis on Nuanez Now. Coulter Nuanez not in studio today. Uh, that's why I'm coming to you live from the producer's room. Andrew Houghton with you. We'll talk some Grizz soccer as well as Grizz volleyball. Huge weekend in the Garden City. Grizz soccer taking on Ohio State on Sunday. But before that, Grizz volleyball welcoming two top 20 teams in the nation to the Adams Center. We'll get you updated on all of that right after this. Keep it tuned. You're listening to Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. The best that you can and don't lie and don't steal. Keep your nose on the grindstone and out of the pills. Well, Daddy, I've been trying. I just can't catch a break. There's too much in this world that can't seem to shake. Wouldn't be uh, Nuanas now with me hosting if we didn't play a little Tyler Childers. As Coulter always says, uh, it's my all-time Halloween costume if I want it. Andrew Houghton with you here, coming to you live from the ESPN MT studio at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting Company, locally owned and operated, and proud to say it, nose on the grindstone. Coming back, uh, not only my doppelganger singing is a good reminder for everybody around here with football season coming up, we are going to be busy from just about uh, next Monday, officially will be game week. Montana Grizzlies and Montana State Bobcats both starting their season. Next week we'll be busy from then straight through until, uh, who knows, it's been until January with the Montana State Bobcats the last couple of years as they've made big runs deep into the FCS playoffs. But before we get to that, plenty of action in Missoula this weekend, not on the gridiron. Montana Grizzlies soccer and Montana Grizz volleyball both hosting very prestigious Power 5 Conference opponents update from over at the Adams Center. 
uh, where the Montana Grizzlies volleyball team is hosting a big multi-team tournament uh, with number five Pitt as well as number seventeen BYU uh, and also University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, uh, who's the the team in there that's not ranked that's coming to Missoula this weekend. So a four-team tournament going down there at the Adams Center, and we've already had an upset in maybe the marquee matchup of the weekend, number five Pitt against number seventeen BYU. The Cougs win it uh, in the first match of the Ellison Invitational down there at the Adams Center. Second match of the tournament, getting underway tonight, and it'll be uh, the home fans' first chance to see the Montana Grizzlies volleyball team in action in a non-exhibition game this season. Grizzlies taking on uh, UTRGV with uh, first set first serve set for 7 p.m. tonight, so still time to get over there if you're looking for something to do tonight. Uh, looks like the rain's starting here. I know Roots Fest is downtown tonight as well, but if you're looking to stay inside, Grizz Volleyball against UTRGV tonight at 7 p.m. It's a huge statement for this Montana Grizzlies volleyball team. Uh, after the success that they had last season, Grizz had been down in the dumps for, for several years before that, but last season, under Allison Lawrence, Grizz Volleyball bounces back. Goes 17-12, and 10-6 and 6 in the conference. Uh, a, a real tipping point moment, I think, for the Grizz Volleyball team last season uh, were both of the games against Montana State. Big crowds uh, in, in Brick Breed and Fieldhouse last September, and the Grizz pull out a 3-1 to one victory over Montana State. And that sort of uh, kicked off their season. They went on a good run through Big Sky play. After that, beat the Cats again in the return matchup at Dahlberg Arena 3-1 in November. Uh, lost their first game at the Big Sky Conference Tournament, but it was the best year for Montana Volleyball. In several years, Allison Lawrence was named the Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year coming off a season like that. And the Grizz not resting on their laurels. Two top 20 ranked power conference teams coming to Missoula this weekend. Uh, Grizz will be playing both of those teams tomorrow, Saturday. First serve against Pitt set for 10 a.m. And first serve for the Montana Grizzlies against BYU set for 7 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday, August 26th. Still plenty of time to get tickets for that. They're not the only Montana Grizz team hosting a big prestigious opponent in Missoula this weekend, Montana Grizz Soccer on Sunday, hosting Ohio State at South Campus Stadium at 6 p.m. This has been sort of the 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 apex of a trend that we've seen in Chris Chitovitsky's tenure as the head coach of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team. Uh, you're listening to Nuanez now, by the way, on 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana and the ESPN MT app. Coulter Nuanez out today. He's heading down to San Francisco for a little R&R before college football gets kicked off next week. So it's Andrew Houghton coming to you from the ESPN ESPN MT studio here in Missoula. The Grizz soccer team has has made no bones. Chris Chitovitsky has said this publicly many times. He wants the Grizz to play a really competitive non-conference schedule, and he he thinks that 
you know, after winning either the, the Big Sky regular season championship or the Big Sky tournament championship in each of his first four years at the head of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team, he thinks that the team has the cachet now to get power conference opponents to come out to Missoula, and it happened last year. Uh, the Pitt Panthers came out to play in a multi-team tournament out here in Missoula and beat the Grizz 2 to nothing. But this is just on another level. The Ohio State Buckeyes women's soccer team coming out on Sunday to take on uh, the now 3-0 and Montana Grizzlies. Grizz go to 3-0 and with a win Thursday over Montana State University Billings. It's Montana's first 3-0 and start in a non-COVID season since 2011, and that's the only other time they've done it in school history. So the Grizz are rolling. They put four goals past MSU Billings in that game on Thursday. I was lucky enough to be uh, up in the press box doing play-by-play on ESPN Plus for that game, and it was a really comprehensive display from the Grizzlies. Three goals in the first half, uh, one from Sidney Haustein on a header from a corner kick from Mia Parkhurst. Uh, another one from Eliza Bentler on an assist from Skyly Thompson. The two wingers sort of combining for that goal. Riley O'Brien added the third goal late in the first half. And then Abby Gearhart, the Bucknell transfer who comes in this year, opens her Montana Grizzlies account with a goal early in the second half to make it 4 nothing. It was funny reading the postgame story there from Joel Carlson on Montana's website. Chris Chitovitsky had a quote about you know, in the first half, they were going too direct, almost trying to score to the detriment of, of everything else that they were trying to do in that game. And it sounds like a funny quote when you first read it because it's a, scoring is the point, right? Uh, scoring goals is the point of soccer. Um, but I, I think it's valid. I think that they were playing really direct in that first half. Uh, because they had they had the advantage at every position on the field. And MSU Billings, not a bad team. They were game. They came in here and they played. They tried to go forward, uh, but Montana was really just too much for them at every position on the field. And the Grizz were, were playing direct, kicking the ball upfield, trying to, to, to get into the box really quickly. It worked really well. We saw some great stuff on the ball from both of the starting wingers, Skylie Thompson, uh, as well as Eliza Bentler. But, you know, when, when the Grizz are playing teams like Ohio State, they're not going to get so much success with those long balls over the top. So that was my my big takeaway, but they played really well in that one. Uh, I thought Ava Samuelson, the left back from Colorado, who's coming off uh, an injury this summer, came off the bench in that one, but she is uh, she was spectacular. Really, really talented, really dynamic player. At left back for the Grizz, great left foot to cross. She's able to dribble past people as well. I think he can play her at either winger or at fullback as they're doing with her right now. But we'll see. This will be a whole new class of opponent for the Montana Grizzlies on Sunday. Again, Ohio State against Montana, 6 p.m., South Campus Stadium. Grizz are going for an, attend- an attendance record in that game. Uh, and Chris Chitovitsky told me earlier this week, you know, if you have tickets, if you want to go to this game, it's going to be packed. It's not going to hurt to get there early because they don't really know what the capacity of the stands there at South Campus Stadium is because they've never packed it out like they're planning to do on Sunday. So if you're planning to go, get there early. Uh, get your seats, settle in, and, and watch what should be a really good 
game, the Grizz bouncing back from a tough season last year. They were they went seven seven and six last year, which wouldn't be too bad for anybody else. But as previously mentioned, they'd won either the regular season or the conference tournament title in each of Chris Chitovitsky's first four years as the head coach. Last year was the first time that they hadn't done that. Uh, they lost to Idaho, I think, in the Big Sky semifinals. So trying to bounce back this year. Other players to watch for the Grizz soccer team. Ashlyn Dvorak, the redshirt freshman goalkeeper. It's going to be a huge narrative. You're going to see feature stories about this popping up all over town as we get into the Montana Grizzlies soccer season. It was a big story two years ago when Claire Howard, who's the program's all-time leader in shutouts, saves goals against average, one of the great goalkeepers that we've seen in the history of the Big Sky Conference, left in the story was how are the Grizzlies going to replace her. Camelia Zhu comes in, and, and she's on that level right away. I mean, she was Big Sky Conference goalkeeper of the year. As a redshirt freshman, she took a little step back last year, but still good enough to, to transfer to Minnesota in the offseason. So Camelia Zhu gone. We're right back to square one. Who's going to replace an all-conference-level goalkeeper for the Montana Grizzlies? Well, it's, a, it's an in-state product. Ashlyn Dvorak from Billings. Went to Billings West, where she uh, led the Golden Bears to a state title as a senior. I've been saying it uh, all the time in conversation with Coulter on this show, on my podcast, Soccer and Snow and Smoke. The coaches really like her competitiveness. They really like her fire. They really like her leadership potential. And they think she's a really good uh, athlete and a really good goalkeeper as well. And Ashlyn Dvorak and that Montana Grizzlies back line now kept two shutouts in three games to start the season. They've given up just one goal in total. So a chance to uh, go out and see an in-state star there at South Campus Stadium on Sunday. We'll be back with a little more soccer talk, I think, here on Nuanez Now. It's been a big story around the world in the days after Spain's Women's World Cup win that happened in the very early hours of Sunday morning here in Missoula. Uh, the celebration sort of morphed into scandal due to the uh, indiscretions of the president of Spain's soccer federation, Luis Rubiales. Seems like that situation is going to come to a head today or this weekend. Got a couple things I want to say about that to close out the first hour here, but we'll be right back with you. You're listening to Nuanez Now. It's ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. One, two, three. is now on ESPN Radio. I know you guys are used to listening to some hip-hop on Friday afternoons here with Rajim Seabrook in studio. Don't worry, we're going to get to that in the second hour. Uh, I like listening to hip-hop music, too. Uh, but the Tyler Childers had me feeling a little bluesy here in the first hour of Nuanez Now. You are listening to Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana and the ESPN MT app. 
but you're not listening to Coulter Nuanes. That's because Coulter's headed on vacation this weekend. Uh, wanted to get a little early start to that. Today, he's heading down to San Francisco, the Bay Area. So you got me rolling with you, Andrew Houghton, here at the ESPN MT studio at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Just a couple minutes here left in the first hour. Got to get out on time because we got some great stuff for you in the second hour, including conversations with all three Class AA high school football coaches in Missoula, Dane Oliver's Sentinel High School, opening the season against Skyview tonight at Missoula County Public Stadium, Matt Johnson's Big Sky Eagles at Belgrade, and Ryan Nelson's Hellgate Knights hosting Billings Senior in the big stadium, Washington Grizzly Stadium. So we'll talk to all three of those guys, as well as Hamilton High head coach Bryce Carver in the second hour. But first, uh, just a couple things I wanted to say here about the developing situation around the Spanish women's national soccer team. This has been a big story in the week after the Women's World Cup wrapped up last weekend. You heard about it a little bit from the chick who doesn't know sports. Yesterday, here on Nuanes Now, if you've been listening every day, I just wanted to add a, a little bit of context and a little bit of commentary to this. First, the timeline. Spain beats England one to nothing in the final of the Women's World Cup uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, depending on where you were in the world. It was very early Sunday morning here in Missoula to win the first Women's World Cup in the nation's history. It's a great story. Um, Spain was one of the, the favorites coming into this World Cup, but again, it was a team that hadn't done a ton on the national stage. We knew they had great players. We weren't sure what it was going to look like. Uh, Under the pressure of the World Cup, Spain looked really good in the first group game and then goes and loses 4-0 to Japan, the other really good team in the group, but bounces back, qualifies out of the group, runs through the knockout stages, avoids playing Japan again, uh, beats the Netherlands in one of the games of the tournament in the semifinals, uh, and that sets up the, the game with England in the final Olga Carmona scores in the first half, and that holds up for a one nothing win. Uh, a super joyous, momentous, historical moment for the players, for the country, and one that was almost immediately overshadowed, overshadowed by scandal because in the post-game celebrations, the president of Spain's National Soccer Federation, a guy named Luis Rubiales, forcibly kisses one of the stars of the team, forward Jenny Hermoso, uh, if you've seen the video, it's just uh, the chick who doesn't know sports probably encapsulated this better than I can. Just incredibly weird. Grabs her by on the back of the head, forcibly kissing her on the lips. Uh, this was part of a, a pattern of just weird and kind of gross and creepy post game behavior from Rubiales, who um, was also giving the other players a, a series of like uncomfortably personal hugs. Grabbed his crotch up on the stage of the trophy presentation while he was standing right next to the Queen of Spain and the 16-year-old Princess of Spain. So that became a huge story in the aftermath of that game. Earlier in the week, uh, Hermoso seemed to release a statement through the Federation saying that it was just a a spontaneous, consensual expression of of joy, uh, whatever, 
but on Thursday, yesterday, there were rumors going around that Rubiales was going to lose his job. And then today, everything blew up. The Spain's National Federation set a press conference uh, at which Rubiales would speak. People thought that he might be announcing his resignation. That is not the case. He doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on on this just being a, a spontaneous thing. Uh, nothing to worry about that the people who were calling on him to resign because of this were trying to assassinate his character. Uh, just a, a completely unhinged press conference. And then later in the day, Jenny Hermoso releases uh, another statement on her personal social media just reiterating that the kiss was un- non-consensual, uh, unwanted, uh, and then every single member of Spain's World Cup winning national uh, national women's soccer team releases a statement that they will not play unless Rubiales is removed from his post. So this is a, a situation that's probably going to be resolved either this weekend or early next week. I don't see a way that Luis Rubiales is going to be able to stay in his post there as the president of Spain's National Soccer Federation. But just a a, a thing, a a worrying trend around women's athletics. I think that aside from just the, the grossness and the unacceptability of the act itself, the worst thing about this is that the tarnish that it immediately puts on what should have been a life-defining achievement for for all the women, for all 23 women on Spain's national soccer team, and that's just the saddest part about this. I mean, these are these are women who have trained their entire life for this goal. Investment in women's soccer in Europe lagged way behind the United States. I mean, they it's not well funded. Uh, it's not well respected. They fought for everything they have, and it's it's only in recent years that the investment has sort of begun to catch up. There's backstory here with the Spanish Federation as well, uh, because a year or two ago, 15 of the most prominent players on the team quit the team, saying that they wouldn't come back unless the head coach, a man named Jorge Vilda, was fired. That didn't happen, and Vilda was allowed to stay on, and some of the players came back to the team, but several of the most prominent players in Spanish women's football remained away from the team and didn't get a chance to play on this World Cup winning team. So there's already been tension between the team and the federation, and for it to explode so publicly and humiliatingly in the the immediate aftermath of their incredible ultimate moment of triumph is just is just really sad and it continues a really sad trend that i think we've seen in women's athletics where these women's accomplishments are not allowed to stand on their own we saw it in the nca tournament uh, a few months ago this spring with the controversy around angel reese and caitlin clark when all those two women were saying was just Let's celebrate LSU's title. Angel Reese is, is a great player. Caitlin Clark is a great player. Why can't we just watch them play basketball without controversy? And now again, here with this controversy around the Spanish women's national team, we have the actions of, in this case, one man tarnishing the incredible accomplishments of a group of women. That's it for me for my soapbox for this first hour. Uh... 
First hour in the books here on Nuanez now. Second hour coming at you. We'll be talking prep football. You can hear from all three class AA high school football coaches in the city of Missoula. Dane Oliver at Sentinel. Matt Johnson at Big Sky. Ryan Nelson at Hellgate. That's coming up as well as plenty more right after this. You're listening to Nuanez now. ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 